0: I'm Kurt Benkert, and this is Pocket Presence, powered by Sleeper. Welcome back to another episode of Pocket Presence. Man, what a crazy week in the NFL. Leading into a crazy Monday, got to recap real quick that game. Bills, Broncos, the game was just about as ugly as the ending. A lot of turnovers, a lot of butterfingers, and the ending of that game really says everything you need to know about the Bills this year. Broncos go down with like a minute left, get into field goal range, rush their kicker onto the field, miss the field goal. The Bills had 12 men on the field because they also were unorganized, had no clue what was going on, and the 12 guys that were on the field didn't even rush the kick to block it. They could have lined up with seven people, won the game. Instead, they had 12, and they lost. And now they're on the outside looking in on the playoff race, and I don't know how they're going to make it. The AFC is stacked this year. It's going to be a wild race to the finish, but man, week 10 ended just how it went the entire Sunday on Monday. Another game-winning field goal as time expired, I think the most ever in the history of the NFL in one week. was exciting, and I had a lot of anxiety watching these games all weekend, and I didn't really know why until I saw that tweet. So crazy week. We're going to roll into week 11 of the NFL, and we have some breaking news. Deshaun Watson declared out for the season. Just, man, After his performance in the second half, he was completely on fire against the Ravens, led his team back to win, looked like he was worth the money that they paid him, and for the first time, really, he looked like he was worth the money, and they ended up getting him an MRI on Monday morning, he had some ankle stiffness, and then he also had some discomfort in his shoulder, and it came to find out that he had a fracture in his shoulder, required season-ending surgery, and man, it was just tough because... I think Deshaun Watson has been so polarizing all offseason. His entire contract situation has all been just really wild. Again, to recap that, he had $230 million in his contract of an extension. Um, it was fully guaranteed, and he hasn't played that much football because he's been injured. And he's been you know, going through his legal battles and whatnot. But the Texans on the other side of this contract have to be looking through the glass saying, wow, we dodged a bullet. They received a first round in 2022, a first in 2023, a first in 2024, and in 2022, they got a fourth, 23, they got a third, 24, they got a fourth. You can tell, obviously, it's a lot of picks, and they dodged a really large contract, and now they have, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the league, CJ Stroud, playing at such a high level as a rookie. He looks like the next phenom, looks like the next Patrick Mahomes in a different style. He plays football differently than Pat Mahomes does. Got a quick release, strong in the pocket, extends when he needs to. Um, I think right now, if you could build the perfect quarterback, people would be building C.J. Stroud. And that's pretty exciting to see for the Texans. But what do the Browns do now? Man, I don't know. They got a good defense, allegedly. They put, gave up a lot of points to the Ravens, but they still have a good defense. I don't know if they look outside for another quarterback. They got some guys in the room that have played. The trade deadline's over. Of course, Deshaun Watson gets injured right after the trade deadline. They got to... They gotta either keep with their guys or find somebody off the street. I saw some Tom Brady tweets lurking around. I doubt it. I really doubt it because he's part owner in another team now. I don't know if he can legally do that. But not to mention, let's talk about this. They had Josh Dobbs. They had him and they gave him away. And now Josh Dobbs is over there in Minnesota with the Vikings helping them make a playoff push and they're getting their roster reloaded. And it's just all eyes back on the Browns. What are you gonna do? How are you gonna overcome this? And just when you thought the Deshaun Watson trade was starting to shake out in the way that they wanted. 14 and 14 in the second half. Big comfort behind victory over what was presumably the number one team in the NFL. There's a lot of questions going on. The AFC is stacked. Can they make it to the playoffs with a mediocre quarterback, with mediocre quarterback play? I don't know. We'll find out. But man, what a crazy start to week eleven before it even got started. An injury that we didn't even really expect to see. We'll see how it plays out. But that was a little bonus, a little breaking news. We're going to transition into our other segment, a little fantasy start sit in week 11. First things first, can you trust Calvin Ridley? And I really hate even having to talk about this because I was so big on the Calvin Ridley train this year. I believe in him. He looks so good running routes. He's explosive, but he doesn't get his targets. And he is not really featured in that offense. The offense, in my opinion, is really collegey. It's not really pro, converted. They don't really have a lot of shifts and motions that they use effectively. They don't really set up the play-action game to throw shots downfield the right way, in my opinion. They're really big about using their slot receivers, using their running backs in the pass game, and it just leaves Calvin Ridley out there, in my opinion, as a decoy. You have to have hope, and you have to hope that the Jacksonville Jaguars, after a week like they had last week, only putting up, what, three points, I believe, against the 49ers, that they're going to be looking for answers offensively. And let's hope that it's just giving Calvin Ridley a chance, get him more targets, get him involved, get him on motions to get the press off, put him in the slot. He can run routes in the slot. We all know he can. He's explosive, but I wouldn't, I would not give up on him just yet at that. I would not give up on him just yet only because he has the ceiling of a stud, whether they choose to use him or not. I don't know. But if they don't use him by the end of the year, I would really hope that they trade him in the offseason and give him a chance to go somewhere else where he might be a primary. I don't know. I just don't like how they're using him, but I don't believe it's his fault because he can obviously get open. Some other fantasy news. We got to talk about the Steelers backfield. We got Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. And this is a tricky situation because Najee Harris didn't start the season too hot, but now he's rolling and he is getting his carries. He's getting yards after contact. He's falling forward. He's not the most explosive guy, but he's consistent. And then you have Jalen Warren, who they're getting involved in the pass game, and I like him for fantasy. I like him for my DFS slips. I like his reception lines. And with Najee, you just kind of don't know how they're going to use him each week. He's productive, though, and I actually, sad enough, I have him in my starting lineup. He's my RB2 in one of my leagues that I'm in fourth place, and he's just kind of solidly producing 8 to 15 points a week. You know he's not going to just dud out, but... I think that if you're in a league, like most leagues now, where they're decimated at running back, decimated at flex, he's going to be in your lineup, Najee is. And Jalen, I think, has the higher ceiling of the two. And I would imagine they just keep splitting carries, and both those guys are going to be above average to average players in your fantasy lineup. And until further notice, you kind of keep rolling with them. If it's not broke, don't fix it. But keep an eye out on both of them. One injury to either, and their workload jumps tremendously. Might have been able to hear Riggs there. And one injury to either of them, and you will be able, one injury to either of those guys, and their workload jumps tremendously. So take note, watch the Steelers win games with less yards, I guess. And right now I'm riding Najee a little bit more in my lineups than I would Jalen, but both are solid. Another guy that's kind of shot up in the last few weeks too is Keaton Mitchell. Is he getting enough touches to warrant flex consideration? I don't know. I think so. Like, I think so only because this guy, off of six or eight touches, can go to the yard. He can go house call. He will get you 10 points quick. And I also think the Ravens, having lost now in a game that they should not have lost, and Keaton Mitchell being a shining spot for them, like Gus Edwards is a good running back, but Keaton Mitchell can do things that Gus can't. And if you're the Ravens and you're looking to go out and dominate, I'm trying to get my best players with the most explosiveness, as many touches as they can get, and that's just the way I see from the outside looking in. You're going to have your Gus Edwards, you know, four or five-yard rushes here and there, but you're going to want to sprinkle in Keaton Mitchell into the pass game, into the outside zone game, maybe some zone read game when Lamar can, you know, hold another defender. That's how that scheme works. But as as we get down the stretch and as playoff implications get even heavier and they start to look for a first-round buy, they're going to be looking for answers for explosive plays, and I would not be shocked to see him getting into that consideration where you should be flexing him, especially in a decimated fantasy league like all of us I know are in if you're in a 10 to 12-man leagues, 12-man leagues especially. So yeah, I, I like his trajectory. And I like where it's heading, and I think the Ravens need some of that juice because it is really hard to go up and down the field, four yards at a pop, five yards at a pop, and to have a guy that can just spark it off is a really good thing to have. Another running back, though, very similar situation that we need to talk about HN coming back for the Miami Dolphins, and he was electric earlier in the year. No one can forget it. He won a lot of people games in fantasy that they should not have won against me. I'll say it. But what does that mean for Mostert? And I think it's very similar. I think the HN Mostert combo is just like the Gus Edwards Keaton Mitchell combo. I think Mostert has a higher ceiling than Gus. I think Gus has a better fit in the offense because of what Lamar does to the box in the run game. But HN. You know that Mike McDaniel is not afraid to put anybody in the game at any point in time to get a spark. And what A-Chan does for that offense, even opening up the receivers and the crossing routes, I think it's they need him. They're going to lean on him a little bit more. I think Mostert's still going to get his burn, but man, a chan could go for 30 points out of nowhere off of eight carries and two receptions. And that's going to be good for people's flexes. They need that. And I think the Dolphins have a pretty favorable schedule coming up. The Raiders, the Commanders, the Titans, the Jets, and the Cowboys. And I would say three of those games should be really good offensive games, easy. Obviously, the Jets and the Cowboys have pretty good defenses, but Commanders are giving up a ton of points. The Titans suck. And the Raiders, we'll see what they do this weekend. But the Raiders' defense is pretty solid. Max Crosby creates a lot of havoc, but. You know Mike McDaniel. He's going to design plays to run away from him. He's going to run at him in power pools and all the right combos to get him out of there, very similar to what the 49ers do. And I just think that Mostert's going to get his 15 touches. Achan's going to get his 10, but he might do more with the 10 than Mostert does with 15. And I think it's going to be one of those splits. And Mike McDaniel knows what he's got to do to get those guys in space and to open up things behind them for Waddle and Tyreek. Now we got Devin Singletary. What's going on in Houston, I'll tell you a lot of really good things. And their offense has looked better once Devin Singletary got into the starting lineup from what it looks like. Pierce last year had a huge year. He's an angry runner. He's kind of like Pacheco, where he just drives his feet and runs into brick walls. But Singletary looks really smooth. He looks really good in the passing game. And right now with that offensive fit, with how they congest space, spread it out, go in and out of it. I think Singletary is really elevating them, and he's a good safety net for C.J. Stroud as well. And if you look at what Singletary did last week, he had 30 attempts on the ground, 30 rushes. He was RB3, 150 yards rushing, and a touchdown. And he also had two receptions. But even leading up to that, he's getting his two catches a week. Sorry, last week he had one reception. But he's getting two targets a week typically in the receiving game. He will be getting more after being in the running game as much as he was last week. But you look at the last four weeks, 12 attempts, 10 attempts, 13 attempts, then 30 attempts. It's very clear who is the lead back in Houston now. And obviously their offense benefited from it. And if it's not broke, don't fix it. Bobby Sloan is going to be leaning on him. I think, I think Pierce is still going to have a little bit of a role in the offense, but the numbers don't lie. The production doesn't lie. And the overall cohesiveness of the offense does not lie. And I think that There's a big reason why he's on the field so much, and it's got to be because of the pass game. You don't see a running back getting 81% of the snap share if he's not going to be good in protection. And that really changed last week against Tampa Bay. They ended up having to pass the ball a lot, and he ended up with 75% of the snap percentage. And in fantasy, targets and attempts are really good, but you really want to go off a snap percentage. How many opportunities is he on the field, and how many times does the ball find him? Because sometimes these guys get... You know, they get checkdowns, they get this and that off of plays that weren't designed for them. And so you just want to have a guy that's got the most opportunity possible. And right now, man, 75% of the snap share, 81% last week. He's obviously trending in the right direction. He's RB1. And he's obviously, I mean, he's a must start. But in Houston, it's nice if you have him because you just found an RB1 that's going to change your season if you're on the fringe. And it's time. It is Devin Singletary time in Houston. Now we got to move over to another Texas team, the Dallas Cowboys. They're loaded, man. They are loaded on offense. Obviously, CeeDee Lamb is having a career year. Dak Prescott's having a career year. He has never looked better. But their offense in general, like one of the things that I want to look at is Tony Pollard. Somebody just tried to send me a trade offer for Tony Pollard. They wanted me to give them Pat Mahomes and Jacoby Myers for Tony Pollard. And I said, here's the door. He is RB23 in fantasy this year. And all of that came really from the first stretch of the season, first six weeks, really four of the first six weeks. In the last three weeks, Tony Pollard has had 12 rushing attempts, 12 rushing attempts, and 15 rushing attempts. And he's sitting under 70 snap percentage. You want to know something I really am a little nervous about? When these games come down at crunch time, he has not really been performing in those games. He's averaging under four yards of carry in games that really matter. Philly, he had a little bit of a better game. Still only got 12 touches, 50 yards. Again, he's not like lighting the world on fire. And now you got Rico Dowdle, 28% of the snap share, which climbed from last week. Again, they were in a blowout. I get it. But he had 12 rushes for 80 yards, 6.5 yards a carry and a touchdown. And I'm sorry, if you watched that game, I don't care if it was against the Giants. There was one running back that looked more explosive than the other. One running back that looked like he wanted a little more than the other. And if I didn't know that Tony Pollard was RB1, I would have thought he was a backup. All I'm going to say is when games get into crunch time in December, things happen. And running backs go down or running backs miss a drive here and there. And coaches are going to lean on the hot hand in crunch time. And in crunch time of the NFL season, late in the season, December, January, heading into playoffs, that's when fantasy football championships are won and lost. And I would not be caught dead having Tony Pollard in my lineup right now when my season's on the line. When their season, their playoff implications are on the line, but especially my season, I wouldn't touch him. I'd be touching guaranteed guys that are getting their touches that look good on film, that look explosive, look like they're doing something with the ball in their hands. And I don't think he's that guy right now. And I don't think the Cowboys are going to be sold come time to make those decisions that he's that guy right now. But we'll see. That's just a guess. And the Dallas offense, they're loaded. They could get away with not having an explosive running back. They still have Ferguson, who's balling. They have CD Lamb. They got Gallup, who's getting in here and there. But it all starts with Dak Prescott. He's really, really lighting it up right now. And it's been fun to see because he's gotten a lot of slack over the last few years. If the Cowboys can keep Mike McCarthy out of situational play calling, situations, and just you know blow teams out, they're going to be all right. I know we just talked about Ferguson. Tight end with the Cowboys. We need to move across the country to the Arizona Cardinals, a team that heavily uses their tight ends, especially with Kyler back. A guy that I'm looking at in that room specifically, Trey McBride. If you have him, you're really happy right now. If you don't and you need a tight end, you might be able to get him. Sometimes he's like a tight end too for some of these teams, but if I was an owner of him, I would not be looking to trade him. Again, we're talking about targets. We're talking about snap percentage. Right now, Trey McBride in the last four games has had six targets, 14 targets, five targets, and nine targets. More specifically, Kyler Murray's first game back, Trey McBride's second best game of the year. Eight for nine, 131 yards, most yards of the year, and no touchdown. Imagine if you threw a tuggy into that mix. That'd be a 20, 23-point fantasy game. I like it. And the biggest thing is the offense is fit for Kyler. He extends plays like nobody else can. And Dobbs does a great job extending plays, but Kyler is on a different level. And they use their tight ends. He also likes using his underneath guys like Rondell Moore. And right now, Trey McBride is a tight end one in most situations with Kyler at quarterback. I like what they're doing. I think it's going to be fun to watch them throughout the rest of the year. Again, their season's pretty much over, but they're playing for next year, playing for the cohesiveness. And they got a good matchup this week against the Houston Texans. It'll be fun to watch. What do you do about Buffalo and their backfield? I don't know, man. What do you do about Buffalo in general? Everyone fumbles. Josh Allen throws a lot of interceptions. Diggs doesn't get nearly the targets that he deserves. In critical situations, they're not going to their best guys. And it just looks so haphazard. They just fired their offensive coordinator. Who's going to be calling the plays? I don't know. Who's going to be getting the share of the snaps at running back? I don't know. At this point in the fantasy season, most of the guys that you have, you're stuck with. You pretty much, I mean, it's the it's the trade deadline for most teams, but who's gonna be trading for either of their running backs? I don't know. I really have no clue. And last week you had it like the best play that they had in the game running the ball came from a run that somebody fumbled on. It was Cook. Cook ran down the middle of the field, fumbled. The ball luckily popped back up into his hands, and he ran for like another 20 yards. That's not something that you wanna to have to rely on in fantasy if you're a GM. The other thing is. They had fumbles that are just like the ball slipping out of Josh Allen's hand to go hand it off. I don't know what's going on in Buffalo, but they got reverse deflate gate, in my opinion. They need to make sure that the balls aren't pumped up too much. Make sure that they're scuffed the right way because nobody can handle them. I mean, you're seeing Kincaid drop the ball. You're seeing Gabe Davis' ball go right through his hands. Like Across the board, nobody can handle the ball. And it starts with Josh Allen. So, I think we got a little ballgate in Buffalo, and it doesn't look like anyone's gonna be breaking any tables up there anytime soon until they get this figured out. Now, we gotta talk about our last topic in this fantasy start sits. We got a few. We got a few that I really like this week. We got some really important matchups and games, and we're gonna dive right into this. Again, all of these start sits are dependent on what does your roster look like, who's available, what's the bye week. Is there anybody on IR? Like a lot of things go into this, but I'm gonna go through this and look at some of the guys that I really like, guys that I think are gonna have exceptional games versus what you know the typical run of the mill running back, wide receiver, quarterback play looks like. Let's dive right in. We're gonna talk about the Chicago Bears and Lions first. I wouldn't touch Justin Fields. I don't trust them. I know Detroit's defense just gave up a lot of points, but if you don't have to, don't do it. Two guys I really do like, both running backs starting in many leagues. Gibbs and Montgomery, I think they're both going to get their fair share, both going to be 10 plus point backs, and they're going to lean on them heavy throughout the rest of the year. So, those guys are always going to be in my lineups. I will say, too, the one guy that I do like from Chicago right now is Cole Komet. He's tight end number five. You're obviously going to be starting him, but most of the people that have Cole Komet probably didn't draft him as their tight end one. They probably have other guys, but he's obviously going to be a starter. I think with Justin Fields' ability to extend plays, it's going to help him even more. And he's had some big weeks. He's had 12, 20, and 7 points the last three weeks. I like his value the rest of the year. And it's trade deadline week. You might have another tight end that you could ditch. I would keep Cole Komet and just let him roll. A sneaky, sneaky side of things that I like right now actually are the Packers. I think that the Chargers' defense is not that good, and I think that the Packers are going to have to score points to keep up. I like the Chargers heavy in this game, so we're going to look at the Packers' side, knowing that the game script's going to say they're going to need to throw a lot. Jordan Love, regardless of if they win, I think is actually a sneaky fantasy play. In a two-quarterback league, I also think that if you need a quarterback for the week, he could be one that puts up 16 to 20 points only because they're going to have to throw to keep up with the Chargers. You got guys like Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed actually is wide receiver 39 this year, playing really well, had 17 points last week, and he had five the week before, which wasn't great, but 10 and nine. He's like actually flexible right now. You can have him in your lineup and be comfortable about it. He's gotten more of the targets than Christian Watson has, more of the receptions for sure. I like him a lot. I'm going to say it one more time. Another start this week. Please don't be wrong. Calvin Ridley. Every time that they don't get him involved in a game, they come back the next week and get him involved in the game. And maybe you just need to have one week on, one week off with him. But if you look at it, he had 20 points week one. And then weeks two and three, he had four and five. Then the next two weeks, he had 10 and 17. And then he had four and one. And then he had 11. And then he had a bye week. And then he had three. And right now they're playing against a divisional opponent, the Titans. They have them again later in the year, and the Titans have been giving up a decent bit of points in the past game. I just think you got to give it one more chance. And I'm probably going to say this every week, but you're at a point where you probably have to start Calvin in your flex anyways if you have him on your team. Just be a little more confident about doing it this time. Some other guys that, in my opinion, are super sneaky plays this week. We got the Ravens going up against the Bengals, and I think, I think, I think that Keaton Mitchell is worth a flex spot. I think. I hope so. I hope I'm right. I think Keaton Mitchell is gonna be. They haven't projected at six points right now. I think he's gonna be better than that. I also think that you got to go back to the Zay Flowers. Well, he had five target or five receptions last week. Did decent. He had ten points. And I think that in a big game, they're gonna have to pass the ball. I think that the Bengals aren't just gonna let them run the ball up and down the field. So Keaton Mitchell and Zay Flowers, both guys that for the Ravens, I'm hopeful for. If you got to start them. I think it won't go too bad. And then flipping the script to the other side, T. Higgins is out again this week for the Bengals. And Tyler Boyd, it's time for him to step up. Last week he did. He had 12 targets, 8 receptions, 117 yards and no touchdown. And Houston's defense, they played pretty well throughout the first start of that game. Baltimore gave up a lot of points last week to the Browns late. And I think that Tyler Boyd's going to be the guy that has to step up. I don't think that Baltimore is just going to let Jamar Chase go up and down the field on them. So expect Tyler Boyd to have a decent game. I'm going to give one more nugget to you guys, which really isn't even probably a nugget. By now, you should know Sam Howell, as far as fantasy purposes go, should be quarterback one for a lot of teams that are desperate, even for teams that are not desperate. He's playing against the Giants this week. I expect the Commanders to shellack them and Howell to have another big game, keep his number one passing yard spot in the NFL of quarterbacks, and to keep this thing rolling. Another guy that I think is a must-sit now, Jerry Judy. It is very clear that his involvement in the offense is going down. Portland Sutton is the guy. He's been having a hell of a stretch. He had a really good game on Monday night against the Bills. And Judy has been underwhelming all year long. We thought they were going to trade him, but this week specifically against the Vikings, I don't like it. I wouldn't touch him unless you absolutely had to, but I don't even think that he's in flex spot right now, especially when you have guys like Jaden Reed, some of these other guys that are young across the league that are getting their share of targets. Judy's just not getting it, and that's not their style of play, so I would stay far away. Before we get into this, if you need some education around how DFS works, it's simple. You choose two or more of your favorite players, from pregame or live. If there's a live game going on, you can pick that and pair it with a pregame later down the stretch. And you just pick more or less on the predicted stats that are available, and you can win up to 100 extra money if the picks win. Certain picks have different multipliers, and it all adds up. And I think for me, this is the most fun way to get involved in watching games because it takes the outcome of the game away. And it really just comes down to statistics, target share, how many opportunities do you guys have a chance to make plays? and all of those types of statistics in the game. So that's really a quick little education around Sleeper DFS, and if you have more questions, you can go to Sleeper and check it out. And for everyone that's new, just learning how to play, for new users this week, there's a Thursday Night Football promo. Lamar Jackson, all he has to do is get one passing yard, or more, and you hit his multiplier for that week. So your one side of the slip is done, guaranteed. Check the box green light. All you have to do is hit on one more player and you win your money. And right now, it's going to be double your money, if not more, depending on what you pick, how many things you stack on the slip. And typically, there's a $10 maximum buy-in for those. So go have fun. You could have that $10 turn into 1000 if you get crazy. But I'm liking the 2 to 3x plays because they're the most consistent. But do with it what you will. Also, if you're new and you want to hit a first-time deposit with a $100 match, you can use code Kurt sleeper.com slash promo slash Kurt if you want to do it that way or you can just plug in Kurt to the checkout code in the app and you will get your first time deposit matched up to $100. Now the moment a lot of people have been waiting for at least I think for my DMs especially we're going to talk about my Thursday night football sleeper picks for my slips for these sleeper contests man and it is it's a weird game it's a big game. It's Ravens, Bengals, and there's a lot of action in here that I think we need to talk about. We're gonna have to start with Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow's line for pass yards is set at 258 and a half. And if you look at what is gonna be required for them to win this game, they're gonna have to throw the ball. They're they're gonna have to score points, and it's not gonna come on the ground against the Ravens defense. And Joe Burrow, the last three weeks, has had 283 yards, 348, and 347 yards passing. I think the 258.5 yards against a really good defense is a sweet spot, and I'm going to take the over on that. Flipping the script, Lamar Jackson. What do I think it's going to take for them to win the game in a big divisional matchup after a loss? He's going to have to run the ball, and they're going to emphasize that this week. They're not going to lean on him as a passer as much as you need him to, and he might hit his passing yards, but that's not even what we're looking at. We're looking at his rushing yards. In the last two weeks, he's had 60 yards rushing and 41 yards rushing. And the big part of that is they lost against Cleveland, when he did not have over 50 yards rushing. His line is set at 44 and a half, and for him, that's like two long runs. And I think in this game against that Bengals defense, he's gonna have to use his feet. And so I'm gonna take the over on his rushing yards, and I'm gonna match those two together. Right now, uh, over 44 and a half rushing yards for Lamar and over 258.5 passing yards for Joe Burrow pays out a 3.13x multiplier. So if I were to put on this slip, it would pay out $782.5. The other side of this too is, if you guys know, I really like receptions, but I don't love the reception lines this week. They have Zay Flowers at four and a half receptions, which if it was at three and a half, I think I'd touch it. Over the last three weeks, he's had five receptions, one reception, and five receptions. So he had a a week where he only had one reception against Seattle, and that kind of scares me off the line a little bit. But again, in a big divisional matchup, I think they're going to use them. but I would use extreme caution with that. I don't like picking unders on receptions for guys. It's not a thing I like to do. I only like taking the reception lines. If I think they look good, anything can happen. This could be an overtime game, and if you pick unders on anything, you could be screwed. So I'm going to say I like the Zay Flowers 4.5 receptions, but use caution with that. I also think that Gus Edwards, anytime touchdown, he's been on a touchdown roll this year. He has had a touchdown in each of the last one, two, three, four weeks, and I think again, big divisional game. What are they going to do? They're going to lean on what works, running the ball, and I think Gus Edwards is going to have an anytime touchdown. I just I feel good about it, and I'm even going to say it's going to be a rushing touchdown. And right now, one rushing touchdown for him alone would get you would give you a 2.04 x multiplier. At the time of recording this episode, the lines for the Bengals. Receiving yards are not quite out yet, but those are something that I will be checking closer to kickoff. They should be available for you by the time that you put these in, but look for Tyler Boyd receiving yards. In the last three weeks, he's had 117, 56, and 40, and he's going to be wide receiver two this week with T. Higgins out. I would look to take him on a receiving yards line of anything over 45, 55 yards. I would look to take him because he's going to get his burn. Last week, he had 12 targets, like we talked about, but Tyler Boyd is the guy right now that I'm looking at to the receiving yards line for the Bengals. We'll see what it shakes out to be, what the line changes to be, and by the time I'm posting this, again, more lines should be out. You guys should be able to go and see my ideation of how I like to build these slips, receptions, completions if they're there, if they make sense. I like to reference the last three weeks, more recency bias and completions, especially as we get into this routine of the season. Game plans look a lot more similar week to week, in this part of the year than in the early parts of the year. So should be a little bit more predictable, but that's what I like this week. And we'll see if some of these slips hit, stay tuned. Well, that's about it. The not so quick, quick Thursday edition of week 11 pocket presence. I hope you guys learned some things. I hope my insight helps. More importantly, I hope that these things that I'm saying to you right now are gonna help you win your fantasy leagues, win your fantasy weeks, and have your DFS contests hit. May it be a great week. I'll be watching on Thursday Night Football. If you want to follow along on Twitter, I will be doing live play-by-play, and I'll be looking forward to the next episode dropping on Sunday. Man, week 11 of the NFL. We're in the thick of it. I'm your host, Kurt Benkert. See you next time.